In pursuit of God, discovering purpose, maximizing potential. 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 Jesus House for All Nations. This message has been recorded live at Jesus House for All Nations. God bless you. Amen. You know, the, 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 the tendency is to think, oh, the pastor of the church, he speaks to the people from Sunday to Sunday. And, and sometimes we don't realize that the way the church works is that, like they mentioned, iron sharpens iron. And I've been privileged in my journey uh, as pastor of this church. I've been privileged on, on a number of occasions to come across someone who submits themselves to me as their pastor, spiritual father, pastor, but who I think I actually learn more from than they learn from me. And certainly, sometimes where the person has an area of expertise. And this lady I'm about to introduce is one of such ladies. Um, I admire her greatly. Um, I admire her strength of character, her integrity. Um, I, I admire her diligence and her... You just have capacity for hard work. And most importantly, I, I, I admire her, her faith in God, and then especially out of that, her understanding of biblical finances. Um, I remember in the, the early days, years, years ago, I would, I would say to her, one day you're going to be speaking to thousands in this area, because I just find, I found that she just had such an understanding of God's mind on, on money and biblical finances. And now I look back and I see and I hear how she's been invited increasingly now to start to speak to people in this area uh, and bring the knowledge that she has gleaned in this area. And I just see that what we thought was coming to pass. And the beauty of, of, of her is that she's also in the marketplace. Um, she's in the finance industry. She's at the top of her game in the finance industry, and I mean top of her game uh, in, in that industry. And I just see how God is bringing all that together and using her increasingly. She has such a passion. It's a contagious passion for the body of Christ to understand the truth of God's mind, mind with relation to money. And, and today we're going to get a chance to hear from her um, in an interview-style format um, so I would like you to make her welcome as she comes, Tonyo Shoba. Uh, make her welcome as she comes. Amen. And then uh, her interviewer is no stranger to us. If you watch Seven News, she's, she's very much there. Tinuke Akimbolumo, make her welcome. Now I would like to say to you, I've, I've had the privilege of sitting through the first service. So... You know, what I'm saying is not that I'm having, uh, uh, God is not revealing the future to me. But I would like to say to you, don't be an observer. I'd like you to take notes uh, because she's going to say a lot of things that are embedded in God's word, but her life has allowed her to bring application uh, uh, to it. Um, I'd also like to say that if you have any questions, um, right then down, we're going to give an opportunity for questions to be sent, and these will be dealt with um, on another day. So please make uh, 
her interviewer, Tinuke, welcome, and then welcome Tony um, Oshoba. Thank you very much, Pastor. Tony, so tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do. So, um, as Pastor said, my name is Tony Oshoba. Can you hear me? Okay. Um, and I work in the financial services industry, actually in August. I just celebrated 25 years wow. in the industry. Um, yes, and I'm a member of Jesus House, have been for about 19 years, so I literally grew up uh, with all of you guys, so I'm, I'm one of you. So you're a normal person? Yes. <laughs> Very normal. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, you have an interesting story about financial restoration. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a bit of background so that we can go forward to the... Yeah. So, um, uh, yes, as Tineke said, her, uh, her experience, went through some experiences in life that I want to share with you today. Um, so the story started 2005. I... Um, met a gentleman who wanted to invest um, um, in a particular industry, in the mining industry in West Africa, and he had connections um, to do that. A, friend, a good friend of his, uh, the father, was the minister of mines in one of the countries in West Africa. He was also into mining and studying um, in this area and in the industry, and so he wanted... Um, some some people to invest with him. Sorry, so can I interrupt you? This gentleman, how well did you know him? Reasonably well, okay. reasonably well. Um, so, uh, and it was on the basis of that that I decided to go ahead um, and invest. And I, I did my due diligence, did the research, looked into the industry um, and felt, yeah, this is something I would like to do. And at that time, I was earning a lot of money. And, you know, as a single girl, young single girl, had all this cash. Um, and I thought, okay, why not invest in something and, and get rich? Why not, right? So what happened next? So, <laughs> so um, uh, in that particular country, uh, in West Africa, the government was interested in uh, encouraging people from... Uh, the diaspora to come in to the country and invest. So they suggested that we set up a proper company. The, the Minister of Mines would then support that whole process and the company would get a mining license and we would, we would then uh, be able to, to work and mine and make money. And uh, we hired a team of geologists um, from Europe, from Germany, uh, paid a lot of money for them to go, about 20,000 euros we paid, and they went, they did all the investigation, they did the due diligence, um, spoke to the local people, spoke to the uh, key officials in the Ministry of Mines, and came back with a 100-page report with maps, diagrams, saying, yes, this, this is real, we've tested the soil, we've tested the sample, they actually brought back some samples of some of the quality of the gold that, um, that was uh, in the uh, land that had been allocated to so us. So to all intents and purposes, everything was looking like it was Correct. the perfect opportunity to make you stinking rich. Yes, absolutely okay. rich. <sighs> all right. 
so I thought. So you went yes. ahead and yes. invested. How yes. much did you invest? So um, just under hundred thousand pounds. I was the agreement. Okay, okay, was... okay, okay. Did you have hundred thousand pounds sitting in the bank somewhere? Well, not quite. Okay. So, so where did it come from? Some of it was savings. Some of it was uh, money borrowed uh, because I had very good credit, and I still do actually, which is interesting because I had to repair the credit, and that took years. Um, but I had access to cash. I had access to uh, credit cards, had access to loans. Um, and you know, in this country, they, if you're not careful, you get all the letters saying, oh, we've pre-approved you. 20,000 pounds, and you're like, really? <laughs> Me, 20,000 pounds? Yeah, so that's where the money came okay, from. So you got the money, yeah. you invested. Yes. What happened next? So um, work began. Um, we had to set up a proper office in the uh, city nearest to the areas, about 400 kilometers from the area we had been allocated. Um, and we had quotas that we had to meet. Um, local requirements, so for example, you have to hi hire a certain percentage of your staff locally because that was part of the policy that we're trying to improve um, the economy via the, um, the, the, the mining industry. So we hired local artisans, we hired local geologists, we hired um, an office manager, driver and everything. We bought equipment, some equipment, we bought cars, four by four Jeeps, ship them all back, and work was um, going to start. How involved were you in all of this? Now? So the agreement was I would help bring my skills and expertise to set up the company. Mm -hmm. And when mining started, I would step back, because obviously it's not my field. It was his field and his mm -hmm. friend and the dad. They're the ones who are the miners. And obviously then I, I don't understand the language, so I was... I agreed to become a silent partner, yes. Okay. And you were happy with that? I was happy, yes. Okay. So because I was heavily involved in the setup, it meant that I was able to make sure that they started well, that the company mm. started very well. Okay. Yes. So at what point did you start asking questions? So um, about a, a year and a half, just, yeah, into the start, uh, the, the process, uh, we got the mining license. And um, I still remember that day, the excitement. Wow, I can't believe it. Um, I could see all the dollar signs flashing and the sterling flashing in my head. Um, and we, 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 when the work began, when I stepped back, I just noticed that information wasn't forthcoming as it was when I was heavily involved in the setup. But wouldn't that have been normal since you had stepped back? Absolutely, okay. which is why I didn't press any further, right? Because that was the agreement. Um, you know, and when I did ask, because I wanted to know how the company was doing, um, and when I ask questions, I'll be told something like, oh, is it because you're the highest uh, investor, the investor with the highest uh, amount of money in the business? Is that why you're asking this kind of questions? And I... So I didn't want the trouble, so I just sort of pulled back and just allowed them to get on with it because that's their field, yeah. Then something dramatic happened. Yes. What was that? So by this time, uh, this is now 2007, two years on, 
Um, and literally, my partner went AWOL. AWOL. Literally, he disappeared. As in gone. Yes. yes. So the agreement was he was going to go back to that country and shuttle back and forth um, with the UK. So running the operations, mm -hmm. but then, of course, come for breaks in the UK um, at the time. And that was necessary because some of the... He obviously wanted to bring back the gold and the diamonds himself. And there okay. were requirements and laws, particularly in this country. It's a heavily regulated industry. So you have to be very careful, you know, the whole debate around blood diamonds and yeah, all that. Yeah. So, um, so the agreement was he would do that as the mining was going on. Um, and about 2007, they were about six months into what I thought was a full operation going on on ground. Um, my, yeah, he literally disappeared. So what did you do? I, I, denial. Okay. Um, first of all, went into denial, didn't understand what was going on. So I would make phone calls, and the calls would not be um, honored or answered. Um, I would contact, send texts, emails, and everything, nothing, nothing at all. So um, I couldn't tell my parents. <laughs> I couldn't tell my mom, because my mom would just be, don't kill me, just bury me alive, like whole. <laughs> Don't bother killing me, just bury me. So, you know, I couldn't tell her, but they, they had a little bit of information, so I didn't go into details with them, certainly not the level and the amount. Um, and uh, the attempts were made, and my late dad, of blessed memory, he made attempts to reach out to the family um, and sent one or two people to go and try and see. And his family said, we don't know where he is either. Uh, and I believe them, although my parents kind of didn't believe them, but I did, I did, I honestly did. Um, they, they would also get pop-up calls, what I call pop-up calls. So he would pop up for four months, no, nothing. You would just get a phone call out of the blue, and you'd be like, where are you? We, you know, we've been trying to reach you, and nothing, and silence. Um, and they got the same pop-up calls, so that's how I knew they actually didn't know that much either what was so going on. So at what stage did you realize that you were £100,000 in debt all by yourself? So what happened was, so in the, when the, so this, about 2007 when he disappeared, um, I was confused, disoriented. Um, but the first thing I did, and again, I must mention this, because um, last night when I was just praying about today, um, God said, you must say that piece, because that's a very important part of your journey. The first thing I did was I ran to God for refuge in prayer. Um, I went to, at that time, prayer um, was headed by Pastor Prince, who's now moved on to pastor one of our other sister churches in the Redeemed Christian Church of God. He, he began, I confided in him, and he began to teach me he said, prayer is what is going to get you out of this mess. And I learned how to pray, unbelievably so. I learned how to plow in the spirit. I learned how to understand the word of God and stand on the word of God in prayer. I learned how to sustain prayer consistently with fervor for hours. I learned how to, um, um, I, I learned dimensions of warfare. 
And that's a very important part of my story is that, yes, we're going to go through some things that I did, but honestly, it was the combustion of prayer and all those things I did that really brought me out. Okay, fantastic. Thank yeah. you. So now, you're 100,000 in debt. Yes. You've sown a lot in prayer. Yes. You suddenly realize the magnitude of everything. Yes. How did you feel? Devastated. Absolutely devastated. So um, I went into depression, deep depression. And back then, you know, 2007, you know, unlike now where there's a heightened understanding of mental issues, looking back now retrospectively, clearly I had serious mental issues. So I was in deep depression. I remember staying, going into Pastago and Doc's office one day, literally saying, I'm going to kill myself. I am going to kill myself. It's so bad. Um, and of course, you know, they kind of just stabilized me. No, it's not that serious. You're going to get out. And they helped me and prayed with me and just, you know. So, um, yeah, it was devastating, Tineke. So what went wrong? Yeah. So what had happened was um, I did do a post-mortem. Mm -hmm. And before I did the post-mortem, there was an incident that happened in 2010 that required me to sit down and come to terms with what had really happened to me. I got a phone call from um, a relative of his um, who said, he's just phoning to say, hello, how am I doing? And you know, I said, I'm fine and everything, things are a bit difficult. He then proceeded to you know, get some information from me and I shared, I was honest with him. I said, listen, the biggest issue here is the, the money, the investment. And, I, and he said, what investment? I said, I invested heavily in his business. He said, what business? And I explained to him and gave him information. And he knew that it could only have been um, somebody who invested who would have all that information. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. Didn't you hear? And I said, Heard, hear what? He said, um, apparently a coup had happened in that country and I had missed it. He said a coup took place in that country and that coup took place at the time he disappeared. Um, and he said um, the, the, all the investors, foreign investors, were told that um, the current government would not honor any investments or agreements with the previous government and everyone has to start from scratch and you would have to invest you come back again and reapply for the license which is another hundred thousand pounds which i didn't have okay so we've got a slide on the screen which yeah. shows different things that yeah. went wrong can you give us a little bit of background about this so um well, so when that incident happened I then sat down and did a post-mortem, and I looked, I said to God, how did I get here? When my parents sent me to this country to study, this is what they had in mind. You know, like every parent's dream, this is not what you want your child to go through. How did I get here? And God said, there were so many issues in your life that you needed to fix, and all these issues collectively brought you to this place. And you've got to address these issues in your life. And the primary reason why you have to address these issues is because I need to trust you. 
You trust me. I said, yes, Lord, I trust you a thousand percent. Well, the question is, can I trust you? I can't trust you with my wealth. You are belligerent with money. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to trust you with my wealth. You can pray till kingdom come. I will not trust you with my wealth. If you want me to trust you, you've got to fix these issues. You've got to get to the bottom of these issues. Okay, so let's look at some of these issues. The one yeah. that jumped out at me was greed, because yes. I've known you forever, yeah. and greed is not a word that I would put in the same sentence as you. Yes. Can you explain why greed is on there? Yeah. Greed is an interesting one, so I think I do have a number of close friends, and if you did ask them, is Tony a greedy person, they'll probably say to you, absolutely not. Well, I hope they would say that. Um, but God had other views. Um, God had other views. And he showed me areas of my life where, you know, um, greed was playing a big issue. So, um, for example, keeping up with the Joneses. Well, newsflash, the Joneses are about to file for bankruptcy. So if you're keeping up with the Joneses, very soon you're going to find that the Joneses are neck deep in debt. And that's a big issue for us in the body of Christ, you know, particularly in churches like this church, you know, no offense, I absolutely love this church, this is my home church, you know, would do anything for this church, but we have these pressures that cause us and bring us to a place of, of, of where, where we where we get into trouble in our finances. Greed is a big one. And I asked God, I said, God, you, you have to therefore give me greed prompts um, and help me in a way that I, 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 would, make, I would know. Um, because greed is a spirit. Um, and you have to be aware that, that if you have a predisposition to something, uh, you have to master it. Because what you don't master will master you. Um, greed greed will, will take over. And, you know, I was thinking about this a few days ago, and I thought it's easy for us, particularly for us for, um, of African descent, where we point fingers at our politicians back in Africa, and you hear stories of people stealing 13 billion, and you're thinking, 10 generations, they couldn't spend all that money. Why 13 billion? Why? Even if you're going to steal, just take a billion, right? 13 is a lot of money. But God said, these are dimensions of greed. They don't, when, you're in, when you're in that realm and that demon is working, you're not processing things correctly, you know? Um, and so, and I would do things like, Tina K, I would, um, I would do, um, I would do spending fasts. Now, that's an interesting one. What's that? Yes, so I can explain that. So you know how we fast food um, during a season like POG? We would fast food. Um, and the reason we do that is to make our prayers potent in the spirit realm. Well, when you fast spending on yourself, you make your giving potent in the spirit realm. So um, we refer, commonly refer to it as sacrificial giving. There have been one or two opportunities here in Jesus' house where Pastor Agro has encouraged us to give sacrificially. So I would go into that realm and say, Lord, I'm going to fast spending on myself for a season. 
And I would normally start with three months. Then I'm doing nine months. Literally spend nothing on myself because I'm trying to make my giving and my, my, my petitions and my supplications to God potent in the spirit realm by abnegating and denying myself. Fantastic. Okay, so yeah. that's greed. That's greed, yes. Wrong motives. Wrong motives, yes. I, my motive was just, yeah, absolutely wrong. I wanted to get rich for myself. It was about me, myself, and I. And what's wrong with that? Well, the issue is God, the question God was asking me is that where do I rank or do I even rank at all mm. in your desire to be wealthy? And I remember something, um, one of my pastors, one of my mentors, the late pastor if- Ifiruku of mm. Blessed Memory, she used to ask me this question. She would say, Toin, where is God in this situation? What she was asking is, can you point me to where God is? So you've narrated a circumstance, a situation to me. I can't find God in that situation. And that's, a, that's where alarm bells start to ring. Um, and the, the motive was really about, God was nowhere to be found on my radar. It was about me. Okay, lack of godly counsel. Yeah, lack of godly counsel. Another interesting one. I, um, I, at that time, I would avoid... Pastor Agu and Pastor Doc, I would avoid them because I kind of was thinking maybe they would pick this up in their so spiritual see, radar. If you thought they would pick it up, yeah. then does that mean that you thought there was something wrong with it well, in the first place? no. It was that I just, I wanted to make money for me and I was scared they might tell me not to and then if I did, I would be disobeying them. So I was being manipulative <laughs> in a way. Um, and I love something that there's a saying in where we come from where it says that what a young man or young lady cannot see standing on the top of a tree, an elder will see it sitting down. Let me say that again. What a young man or lady, what you cannot see standing on the top of a tree, somebody with wisdom an elder, somebody like Pastor Agu, Pastor Doc, they will see it sitting down. They don't even have to get up. They smell it from afar because of the wisdom of God in them. So I was concerned that they would smell something, you know, um, and they probably would have actually. Um, If I had been open with them, certainly they would have, you know, I know, Definitely, Pastor Doc would have, whoa. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Okay, um, you've got disobedience on there. What were you referring yeah, to? Yeah, so I was disobedient to God's word. Um, I, first of all, I didn't even, I knew about financial principles, biblical financial principles. When you say you knew about, you knew what they were or you knew they existed? I knew they existed. Okay. So I didn't know much detail. So, for example, I knew about tithing, but I was a sporadic tither. I would tithe when it was comfortable. I would tithe when I could afford to. So, I had no understanding, and even the little understanding I had, I wasn't even obeying God's word in that context. So, Okay, and prayerlessness. 
Yeah, I remember I mentioned earlier that the first thing I did was I ran into, yeah. And all these issues, Tinuke, they are the issues that get us into trouble. Um, they get us into trouble, not just in our finances, and that was an area they manifested for me, but they get us into trouble in every area of our lives. So prayerlessness, um, I think that's one of the biggest tragedies of the body of Christ, prayerless Christians. And it's when I began to pray that I understood the magnitude of the tragedy, Christians who don't pray. And I was in church, a worker, but my prayer life was non-existent, literally non-existent. It was just Sunday to Sunday. I was living a Sunday to Sunday life. You know, I wasn't doing anything untowards during the weekday, but you know, I was, I was just no prayer life at all. And that is such a tragedy because when I see what prayer has done in my life now, I'm like, my goodness, what, you know, how, how did I miss this? And so it's one of the messages I give in my seminars. I, I encourage people to press in into prayer and, and we give all sorts of avenues here in Jesus' house um, to pray and I can only just encourage people to plug in one way or the other. And it doesn't have to be lengthy prayers. It doesn't have to be, yes, of course, we're all praying we will get to that place. I mean, it's taken me years to be able to sustain prayer with fervor for three hours. It, it, it's taken 10, 12 years to get to that place. And that's where, you know, we want to get to and beyond. But we can start with small steps. The 6 a.m. prayers online, the, the, you know, the 7 to 9 p.m. upper room experience, you know, on Tuesdays, there's so many options that we have. Yeah. Okay, great. Materialism. Now, yeah. That's a big one, I was, isn't it? Materialism is a big one, and a big one in the body of Christ as well. Um, we're so focused. And there's nothing wrong in having material possessions. I think, you know, I love that scripture that says, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses. A man's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses. And we have to move away, and it's very difficult in this generation with Instagram and people showing you their expensive cars and their clothes, and, their, and it's screaming at you, but you've just got to, I guess you've just got to come to a place of contentment. And, and Tineke, I had to get to that place that, you know what, I said to God one day, I said, Lord, if I don't have all the things that I want or desire in life, it's okay. It's okay. It's actually okay not to have the latest handbag, not to have the latest car. Not, it's very okay. I've had my car now for 16 years, and the Holy Spirit won't let me change the car. I would like to, and I can afford to, but You're being obedient. He's, I'm being obedient, and he's saying to me, do you really need a new car? And I thought about it. Actually, no, I don't. The car works perfectly. It, the engine is brilliant. It's doing very well. It still glides on the M1. Why do I need a brand new? I have cars that I love. I love the Range Rover. But do I need it? No, I don't. I really don't. Um, because to, a car is to get me from point A to point B. So why am I going to go into debt 
um, get a loan, get a high purchase to, to change that car. What, what? It just doesn't make sense to me anymore. It used anymore. to be four, but it doesn't <laughs> anymore. Yes. Okay, the last one I would like to go through in this um, slide is disregard for financial principles. Yeah. So as I said earlier, um, those financial principles, uh, I really didn't, un and it was part of, part of the problem was lack of understanding. I just didn't get it. I didn't get those principles, which is now I'm so passionate about those principles. Because I think if people got those principles, if they can really get it, they will understand the potency and the power behind those principles. And, and I believe, honestly, it's one of my passions is to get the body of Christ to understand these principles. And I said to God, when I saw the power of these principles in my life, God, I would teach until I'm blue. Black and blue, battered and bruised, I would teach these principles because they are the answer to all our money issues. They honestly and truly are, I believe that they are. But back then, total disregard for those principles. So you've done your post-mortem. Yes. You know what went wrong. Yes. What did you do? So the next thing I did, um, I began to study the word of God. I wanted to understand God's perspective on money because I said, I am not coming back here again. I'm not coming back here again. Um, so let me understand, God, what did you have in mind? Um, you know, tell me, what's your, your view on money? In the, in, in the scriptures. And I began to do case studies on people's lives in the Bible. So what were you trying to find out? I was trying to find out what the purpose of money. Okay. Um, I was trying to find out why would God give us money? Um, because clearly, you, if you think about the body of work that the late Pastor Miles Monroe left um, the body of Christ as his, his legacy, it was about purpose. And you know, one of the phrases he constantly used was, if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, you will abuse it. And I, I knew I had abused money really badly. Um, and I really didn't understand that, the, the purpose of money. So I had to get, we just correct my own thinking. Um, so this is what I began to do. And I came up with my own view from my own case studies um, on why God gives us money. He gives us money primarily to establish his plans and purposes on the earth and to serve humanity. Now, of course, he gives us money for other purposes, but they are secondary. They come second or even tertiary. They come third. They are not the primary reason why God gives us money. And God said to me, if you can get this doing, and if you can commit to this cause, and I looked at the lives of people, not just in the Bible, but outside, and I realized that money follows people who get this. And we know some famous names. We know about Bill Gates. You know, people say, I don't know if he's a Christian. God said to me one day, you're not omniscient. You don't know everything. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 says we only know in part. So 
We don't know whether he's a Christian, whether he's a tither, but the reality is he's sold out to this purpose. So you know how we, we um, say to God, oh God, why is there so much poverty? Why is there so much, uh, why do we have diseases in so many parts of Africa and people are dying? And God is saying, okay, I'll fix it, but I need man to fix it. Um, the heavens, even the highest heavens are the Lord's, the earth he has given to the sons of men. So he needs partners on the earth to do his, his work and his agenda. And I remember a preacher once said, rather than for God to change his agenda, he'll change the man. Rather than God to change his agenda, he'll change the man. So he looks for people within the body of Christ who have a commitment to this primary purpose for money. He can't find... So he finds Cyruses, and we know there are many Cyruses. They're not necessarily Christians, but God is still going to use them anyway because his plan and his agenda, they will stand. You know, um, if you all follow Cornerstone, Pastor Ago shared a scripture, I think, two weeks ago around God saying his counsel is going to stand. So God's counsel is going to stand regardless um, and rather than if he can't find people in the body of Christ to follow his agenda, he'll find other people outside of the body of Christ. So can you tell us a little bit about when you did your research and you found out about the principles of money? Can you tell us about the principles of money? Yeah. So um, I began to do that research. And Tineke, the reason I, one of the reasons I did that research was I came across a group of amazing Christians in the Bible. So these are what we call Berean Christians. Fascinating set of people. Apostle Paul, the most learned of all apostles, in today's times, we would call him a professor of the law of, the, of Moses. And scholar, erudite scholar, brilliant scholar, he goes to Berea, and he preaches powerfully in Berea. And the Berea said, sorry, Paul, we don't believe you. And the Bible says they went back and searched the scriptures to see if everything Paul told them was true. Very powerful. And I remember coming across that scripture and I made up my mind in a care. I am going to be a Berean Christian. I don't care who says it. I don't care how powerful they are. If my spirit is not feeling it, I'm going to check it. I'm going to check it. And, and I've been checking it. And I want to encourage every Christian. We will shortchange ourselves if we are not Berean Christians. Because, you know, the end times, the Bible is very clear you know, Jesus said, when the end time comes, there's going to be lots of false prophets. They're going to come in and out. And you know that scripture that talks about being tossed through and fro by every wind of doctrine? The challenge is, if we're not burying Christians, Mama Code will come. She'll say her own. We're tossed in that direction of doctrine. Daddy Hot will come. He will say his own will toss in that direction of doctrine. And we become like this. 
you know. And remember um, Prophet Elijah on Mount Carmel, he said to the children, he was so frustrated with the children of Israel, he said, for how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If, if this God is God, then let's follow him. If he's not God, then let's go home. So I began to study these principles, and I came up with five categories um, or, that I believe are key, and they are really the crux of, 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 those, of the biblical you principles. Before the slide, yes. can you tell us the story behind the, the slide? The story behind the slide, yes. So I was next to my office, my old office. I'm not there anymore now. Um, I'm now in Canary Wharf, but I was in the city for, for many years. And um, right next to my building, you know how in this country you wake, you go somewhere today, you go there tomorrow, and it's completely different. I literally um, was on my way to office one day, and they had cordoned off um, the whole area right next to my office building. And um, I was walking past every day, and for about two and a half years, you know, care, they just kept on drilling and drilling and drilling. We didn't know what, was, what they were trying to erect, what sort of building or structure. We just knew there was some construction going on. And for two and a half years, they drilled and drilled. And then, literally six to nine months, Tinoke, an absolutely beautiful building came up. And I remember looking at that building when it was finally unveiled. You know how they cover it up with um, scaffolding and everything and you can't see much. And then when they remove the scaffolding, you're like, wow. And that's literally what happened. I saw this building, beautiful building in, in the city of London. And God spoke to me. He said, that's what happened in your finances. You built, you tried to build a mining business, something as massive and colossal as that, on quicksand. There was nothing in the foundation. And that's where this picture comes from. Um, God said, for two and a half years, they've been drilling. What has been going into the foundation? Steel, concrete, things that will hold the structure up. This is what is missing. This is what happened in your finances. So for the next season of your life, I want you to start drilling and drilling and drilling and drilling downwards, sinking your roots deep in the word of God um, with, with guidance from the Holy Spirit. And Tinuke, the interesting thing is, honestly, these principles, I could not successfully engage in an intellectual argument over these principles and win. Um, the Bible says that the spiritual thing, the carnal mind cannot comprehend the things of the spirit. And this principle is nothing more relevant than, than this principle. Can we just specifically say what the principles are? Yeah, so the, 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 the principles of tithing yeah. mm -hmm. um, in the Bible, offerings, mm -hmm. uh, first fruits, all clearly articulated in the scriptures, giving, and a final fifth one that people may not be accustomed to, and I came up with this terminology, and the reason is because as I studied the scriptures, there was a category of give, giving, pseudo-giving, 
that I came across and I couldn't quite fit them into the four categories that people normally hear about. And I decided to come up with God's permission, with a terminology that could explain them. You know, a classic example is King David. When he was about to die, he prepared for the temple. He prepared um, a lot of um, money, gold, uh, silver, bronze, and you know, he got everything ready for, for the temple. And you know how God told him, you won't build the temple but your son because you have blood on your hands. Your son will build. And as I read that scripture, I thought, this doesn't quite fit into any of those four categories. And I came up with this terminology. It was a kingdom investment. I think by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit said to me, David was investing in my kingdom. That's one of the reasons I called him. I didn't just call him a man after my heart for, for no reason. There were things he did, but there were plans he had. Um, he, he had a revelation into kingdom investments. And there were other um, case studies as well that fall into that category. Okay, so with these principles, yes. you then, what did you do with it? How did you come out of that? So I began, I began to apply those principles. So I started with tithing. Before then, I was a sporadic tither. I tithed when it was comfortable. As I said to you, I began to do spending fasts to enable me to apply these principles in my life because I received the inspiration from God and the revelation that these principles were my root out of debt. So, so I began step by step, precept upon precept, just gradually, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day, that proverbial saying, I had to take, one, a journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. I had to take one step at a time. So I began, I first of all fixed the tithing. The tithing is the most foundation, uh, is, the, is, the, is the core of the foundation. And I fixed that in my life. I just made up my mind, if I'm going to be kicked out of my home, I will be kicked out, but I'm going to tithe. Calm hell or high water, I am tithing. And there's nothing the devil is going to do about that. And so it's the conviction, the strength of my conviction about it. And unbelievable things, Tinuke, started happening in my life. Mind-blowing things. Um, offerings as well. I always say to people in my seminars, people say, oh, how do I hear God? How do I know this is God? I say the offerings are the most powerful tools or areas of our Christian walk, you can practice hearing God. Yes, because every Sunday, you have 52 Sundays a year, you can learn that voice where he says to you, your tithing today is 100 pounds. Sorry, your offering today is 100. You normally give 20 pounds, today it's 100 pounds. You can hear that voice. And as you start to hear that voice over a season, over a period, that voice becomes familiar to you. So that in the big things of life, when you want to hear him, you know that voice. It's that still, small, quiet voice, often offensive to your flesh, to your carnal mind, um, because your carnal mind is like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, so I, that's what I say a lot about um, those. And then um, giving talk, uh, again, I explain about that. 
This is really around the purpose I explained, serving humanity. This is where we begin to serve people with our finances. We know that scripture in 2 Corinthians 9. There's so many scriptures around this. Uh, We won't have time to go into this in any any kind of depth. One of the things that I do want to touch on is the testimonies. I know you have a few testimonies to round off. So can you share those? Yeah, so what started to happen is... The power of God, particularly through tithing, I started noticing supernatural things happening in my life. Uh, as I, because the tithing, God, God, the way it works, God, in His infinite wisdom, He put these into the structure of the church and, and our lives as a channel. Of his blessings, which is why I said your spirit man cannot receive this. Sorry, your carnal mind cannot receive this. Only the spirit of God in you can help you understand this. So I noticed the first testimony I wanted to share as a a credit, as I was clearing the debt, there was a particular credit card. So it took me about five years. About five years, I'd broken the backbone of the debt, uh, almost 100,000 pounds with these principles, just consistently applying them. But there was this credit card I called the last man standing. And this credit card just wouldn't go. It was about 9,800 pounds, something like that. There were several credit cards. uh, And I'd been clearing them off diligently. And there was this one credit card left. And I... I, I tried to do everything I could do. Nothing was happening to clear that credit card. And then one day, God said to me that um, uh, he was going to move um, on that credit card. So I, I heard about, uh, you all may have heard about PPI, um, the protection uh, insurance, uh, the whole issue. And that there was a loan that I had taken out many, many years ago. And I had actually at that time paid off the loan. So this loan was not part of the, the debt I was trying to uh, clear off. But I re- something just said to me, the spirit just said to me, go and check the documentation, the loan agreement, to see if PPI was one of the things they charged you. And I'm good with keeping evidence because I'm a trained auditor. So I, 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 I had the documentation. So I went back and to my shock and horror, they had actually sold me PPI. And that's actually one of the biggest signs of missold PPI because actually um, you didn't even know. Uh, they didn't tell you that, that they'd sold you this. So I wrote to them. I wrote to them and I said, listen, I believe you missold me this PPI. Um, I would want my money back. And the government had put in the law then for the banks to refund missold PPI. And... They wrote back to me and said, um, sorry, we don't agree we missold you the PPI. We've looked at all the documentation. We don't believe we missold you PPI. So I said, okay, no problem. I let it go. Three months later, or thereabouts, I get a letter from this bank. They said they had uh, an audit visit. They had an audit visit. Auditors had sampled cases. Guess whose case the auditor had sampled? 
The auditors said to them, we don't agree. We've reviewed the evidence. We've reviewed her complaint letter. And we've listened to her. You know, they pre-record your conversations. And we actually believe you missold her PPI. And therefore, they're writing to say that a PPI of £9,872 was due to me. I should provide my bank details for them to pay and demonstrate that I, I am who I say I am. Then they paid the money. I even joked with God. I said, God, you are too much. You even gave me extra over and above the credit card debt. And in one single payment, Tinuke, I cleared off that debt. And that was the last man standing. And Tinuke, there are so many. I know we've run out of time. There are so many testimonies. And I do share these on my seminars. I think what mm -hmm. is key here is that once you had committed to the principles, yes. things started to happen. It's almost Correct. like you unlocked something in the spirit. I did. That started. So even though you were doing your daily, you know, playing, doing what you could do, God yes. was doing other stuff Correct. because you had unlocked it. Yes, and God told me that. He said, "You commit. Your part is, are the principles. Mm -hmm. You commit and do everything you can with those principles. I will do the supernatural. These principles they invoke. Mm -hmm. Listen, Tinuke, the money is never going to be enough." How much you and I earn is not going to carry the, the weight of our responsibilities. Even if you earn 300,000 pounds a year in this country, responsibilities will follow the money. So why not just entrust it to the one who said that 90% will go longer and further than the 100%? And that was how, where I got to. I got to that place where I said, you know what, God? I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what prophet Elijah said on Mount Carmel. That I'm not going to waver between two opinions anymore. If you are God, be God. If you are not God, I'm going home. Because <laughs> what, what's the point? This whole thing then is a joke. So you be God in my life. I will do my, the principles, as you've said. Let me see you be God in my life. And Tinuke, Every time God blew my mind, there was another testimony I'll share in 30 seconds where <laughs> it know. got to a place. I think Corrida will permit us. She's looking at us. For, <laughs> just <a f> I, I <laughs> Thank you, Pastor. Um, so um, as I began the tithing, I remember vividly, you know, it was a struggle because you're trying to clear debt. So, um, so I'm really struggling to, I'm just committed to the tithing. So, around that time, the credit crunch happened. So, we remember the credit crunch of 2007, 2008. So, here we are in the midst of precarious conditions in the entire economy in the country. Banking was the first to be hit because the crisis started in the banking industry. So, here am I, all my peers, my colleagues, um, uh, started to lose their jobs. Tinuke, it was as if God hid me. Now, they were, the kind of money they were paying me, by getting rid of me, they could hire three or four junior people who could probably do the work, maybe not as efficiently, but they could still get away with, with doing the work. For some reason, God hid me there. And what God did, he created unbelievable circumstances 
as I committed to these principles, he created circumstances at work where they got to a place where they needed me. Now, they could have hired other people, and I'm sure, you know, it got to a place where, you know, there was a merger in the industry, and I was one side on one of the banks that was in the merger. And my area of expertise, because they'd let people off, I was the only one left. And they needed that for the merger. So it got to a place where they were almost at my mercy. So here am I rubbing my palms. It's, it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you. So I told my boss, I said, yes. He said, I will never forget. He said to me, Toy, how much do you want me to pay you? And I was like, wow. God, you are true. These principles work. They work. And I put, I put the zeros. I put the zeros in and said, this is what I think I'm worth. Fantastic. Yeah. So, yes, I think that's worth a round of applause to God, yes. Last thing I'm going to say. So, basically, you're out of debt now. Yes, fully out of debt. Um, cleared the debt. It took me years. Cleared it off, um, literally. And then, of course, I had to repair my credit. Mm -hmm. um, because, obviously, my credit had been affected. And that's huge. I cover that in depth in the seminars. So, please come to the seminars. I teach things like what to say to creditors and not to say to creditors. It's so important if you're in debt. You have to... These little things, they do matter. They do matter, and I'm in the banking industry. I know what it is like to be on the other side. So I bring understanding and teaching from the bank's perspective to see how debt works in the industry. And so, yes, uh, I was able to clear my debt. And, um, yeah. So we'll let you know about the seminars. And if you have any questions, please email them to kingdomtreasurers at jesushouse.org.uk. Toyin will have a look at all of them and we will respond to you. We're going to bring Toyin back, but um, Pastor will talk to you about that. Please give her a round of applause for being so vulnerable. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Go on, I appreciate Toyin and Tinuke. Amen. How many agree that was compelling? Yeah, and... Um, just grateful, you know, she spoke about the Berean Christians. And, and I pray those are the kind of Christians that we're trying to raise. Um, you know, there, there, there will be a lot of manipulation, a lot of people taking advantage of people. What is the antidote to that? It, it's, it's simple. Um, it is the spirit of truth uh, breaking down for you the word of truth. And the counter to every lie is the truth. And how are you going to know the truth? It's because you, you hear something, you check it out in the Bible. You check it out by the Spirit of God in the Bible. And that way you can't go wrong. And then you have these principles revealed to you and you start to walk uh, led by the Spirit of God by these principles in every area of your life. I mean, today we've spoken about finances and money, but really it's in every area of your life. Like I said to someone, the Bible is such a real book, it deals with everything we could conceivably deal with in this life, every single area of your life. 
Um, and we're just grateful to Tony. Um, we're planning a whole series of seminars. Um, some of what she did um, within 45 or 50 minutes uh, takes a couple of hours to break them down um, and have practical sessions where she can teach. As you gathered, she's very passionate in this area. Um, and I think God allowed her to walk through it um, so that she, when she teaches, she's not coming from a perspective of uh, not having experienced some of what some of us might be going through. Amen? What's my dream? My dream is a debt-free church. Because if the borrower is a slave to the lender, and if Christ came to set us free, then we must be set free in everything. Amen? But it's not going to happen in some mystical, spooky, magical way. It's going to happen because people are committed to obeying the Word of God, committed to being led by the Spirit of God. People are committed to living a life of integrity, committed to working diligently because there is no, it, a fair God, a just God is not going to take the wealth of the wicked and give it to a lazy saint. Yeah? So as long as the saint is lazy, the saint will have enough grace to just go through life, scraping through and go to heaven. But wealth is going to be entrusted into the hands of a diligent saint who's totally committed and totally submitted to God. Amen. And like I was saying to them in the first service, you know, the enemy has really done us a major disservice in the body of Christ. So he makes it, he, make, he tries to make it awkward for you to talk about money. Um, and then you have people who will paint, paint, try and tie everybody with the same brush, oh, the prosperity preachers and all that stuff. But then if you don't talk about it, you can't teach the principles. If you don't teach the principles, then people live in ignorance. If people live in ignorance, then the devil has his way in our lives because the only way we can counter his lies is with the truth. Amen? And so believing God that in, in the same way that God has empowered us as a church in so many other areas, that God will empower us as a church in this area as well. How many say amen to that? Amen. amen.